Welcome to Talking Kotlin. And you're going to wonder, what the hell is Talking Kotlin doing on YouTube? Yep, that's it. We've, we've upgraded. We are now on YouTube for one exclusive reason is because I want to be able to say, and if you like this, hit the subscribe button and the like. That is the reason we're on YouTube. And there's other changes to this show. In fact, there's one really, really big change. It's like, I'm going to talk about the Sebastian in the room. He's right next to me. You can see him. Hey, Sebastian. Hey, Hadi. Nice to be here. I know. It's just like, you and I are going to do this show together. You're going to be my co-host. Yeah. Wow. What an upgrade for the show. It's, I think it's what Talking Colin always needed. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that, 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 is, that is nice. That, that's nice. Could you, I, guess, I guess I deserve that for all of the things that I said to you before we started the recording. About how you were. Um, anyway, never mind. That's yeah. all in the past. It's all. It's all. It was five minutes ago. Let's not sure even discuss is. that anymore. But uh, you know, when I first started this show over four years ago, my first guest was none other than uh, Andre Breslau. Right. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, if I'm going to do a show about talking Kotlin, I'm going to bring the language lead uh, to discuss it. Who do we have for this new format of this new talking Kotlin? Well, we have the language lead for Kotlin. Uh, but it might not be the same person this time. In fact, this time it's uh, Roman Yelizarov. Hey, Roman. Nice to meet you guys. Good to be here, really. New format is really exciting. It is, isn't it? It's just like, I, I do have to get some neon lights, though, to kind of like, you know, because yeah. I, I can't take my eyes off of uh, Sebastian's neon lights. Well, uh, you yeah, know, you had background music, you know. I mean, there's so many new things to learn for you for YouTube. I mean, like, really... Like, um, I wonder in a year when you will be watching this first episode, you'll be, you'll be like, oh, yeah, I mean, no, 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 how unprofessional this was. And now we like grew, you know, we figured it out. Well, yeah. I mean, I think we can live and I mean, live and learn. I, I get no, that's live and let live. No, I think we can learn and, and progress as we go along and, and yeah, and be embarrassed about our past mistakes. But anyway, it is nice to have you on the show. Um, it's great to have you on the show. Uh, I, I got to say that you and I, I got to tell this story because I still think it's funny. It's, it's actually embarrassingly cringy for me uh, because um, the first time that I met you was at a Java One conference, I believe. And uh, you yes. came into a session that I had on Kotlin. And, you know, I didn't know how much you know at the time, right? And you were asking these questions. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I'm I'm answering to you, and then I was just like, "Oh God, this uh, he you know, he knows way more than me." It's this whole idea of like, you can give a talk just as long as you know more than everyone else in the room is okay. That didn't work that time, and then look at us now. Now you're the language lead of Kotlin a few years later, and uh, so how how are things, and and how is this new role going for you? Oh, I mean, it, it's been really uh, uh, exciting transition uh, for me. Um, I, I mean, I've been working on language design in Kotlin team for quite a while. Um, actually, for for uh, only for several years, uh, was leading design discussion and stuff like that. So upgrading to an actual language lead is not like an, an actual change, and uh, it, it doesn't really like it's not like I'm now uh, shuffling papers or you know <laughs> words and stuff like that. And you know, JetBrains is also not your typical enterprise. You know, it's not like I'm gathering uh city reports uh, somewhere to, to the top and et cetera et cetera it, it's it's not working like this at JetBrains. so in in a sense uh, nothing really change it change it uh, but it, it's kind of because my, my uh, one of my key responsibilities now is uh, uh is uh, 
caring for the language itself, of course, it consumes much more of my thought processes. Like I, I used to be a lead for libraries and I was most of the time, even though I was still uh, doing a lot of uh, languages and stuff, I was still most of the time was writing libraries, thinking about them, you know, designing them. And now, of course, most of my time is being consumed by the language itself. So how did this scope actually change for you? Like what, what are topics that are currently cursing around your mind and, and the mind of the, the, the language design folks? Oh, it's, it's, it's interesting, actually. I mean, the, the, the way I used to work on language design before when it wasn't like the official role, I was like, I was thinking about things I love. Like, oh, this is like this funny things. And now the problem is I have to think about all the things people want. Like I scan into a new track, finding all those, you know, issues that people have with the language. And I now have to think about them all, which is which gives you a completely different angle on lots of things. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, in a sense, you know, you're you're now kind of like, you know, before you were you were doing the language the libraries, right? Yeah. And Kotlin is famously known for let's try and offload as much as we can to the libraries. Does this put you in a in an easier position in that now or not? Like, you know, because now you're kind of caught in the <laughs> middle, right? Like, oh, should I offload this to the libraries or should should we keep it as a language or what? It's actually harder. If you look at the history of Utrecht, the number of language uh, design issues I've created in the past is much larger than they are now because, you know, when I worked in libraries, I mean, oh, I mean, here's the problem. You know, I wrote library. Well, let me create a request for language. I mean, it would be cool to have it in the language. <laughs> and now, you know, what is it cool to have? Somebody will have to design it, you know, and it's now me, <laughs> you know. It's, again, completely different angle to things. So it's actually becomes harder. I can't just offload things to language or offload things to library. No, I mean, it's actually now it takes a balance. It's actually good that I work on libraries for, for, for quite long because uh, I think I, I started to feel this balance, what should be done in the language, it should be done in the library. Hopefully. Well, I, I I assume that this this kind of deep deep understanding of uh, of the of the ecosystem pro probably like like very few other people helps helps a lot with that. But I find it very interesting that you're kind of in a position now uh, where you ended up in in the past having created more work for yourself. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's <Yes>. like karma. <laughs> it's coming yeah, it, back, it, it, right? It is coming back. I, I do discover lots of issues I created myself. Uh, we're, we're, we're working with language now. So yeah, it's, 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 it's really interesting. Do, do you have any examples where, I don't know, that you created a couple of years ago, but now going back at it with the, with the hat of the, of the lead language designer, you say like, ah, this doesn't, this doesn't really, like it would have been nice back then, but it's, it's completely changed these days. Uh, it's it's not yeah it's not that like yes yeah, some of the things might completely disappear some of the things just change you know their relevance uh, I mean uh, or change and now I understand the full scope of how complex is that like uh, I mean just I mean top of my mind because that's something we've just discussed this week so so there's back then long time ago I've created a ticket on you know let's have like uh, C++ context uh the ability to write your custom constant expression functions. And I mean, even back then, I understand that it's it's complicated. So I phased it out, wrote a description, and kind of forgot about it. Then you know, uh, time came. Uh, we found a good uh, intern who wrote a prototype, and now it's coming back to me. Now I have this my own issue. Uh, now I have this prototype. Now I'll I'll need to figure out what to do with it. How we actually. <laughs> take this idea that's just one page of text 
and ultimately somewhere in the future we'll be turning it into a language feature that will take you know many hours and hours of design to figure all the tricky details and etc 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 and it is kind of it's just you know the one one example that comes back to haunt you and some other things uh you know uh I'm, there are many examples where uh the same issue was created multiple times from different angles and only over time uh, some of them i've closed down and some for some of them became clear like which direction to take and i'm still not clear i mean there are many problems that can be solved in different ways and that's the hardest thing where you can solve the same problem uh with different approaches uh for example uh like there's a big conundrum waiting on what to do with collection and collection literals because there's so many roles to take the the whole static extensions and statics uh that's very big issue there are so many ways to solve that we'll need to brainstorm and, and, and figure the path out. So, so when you close down an issue that you created yourself, do you like leave yourself a comment and say, well, thanks for the suggestion, but we're not going to currently be implementing this in the future? <laughs> no, I mean, that, that, closing my own machine, I don't have to leave a comment. You don't have like to. The last, my own issue I closed, I closed as a duplicate. So actually scanning, I found that an issue I created uh, when I was a library lead without actually looking what else out there. Uh, I mean, I just created an issue. Let's have this uh, data arc like things, you know, looks cool, would help us here and here. And then turns out uh, when I came to systematically look at what people wanted from it, which I found much older issue that was created for exactly the same reason, was basically exactly the same idea. So when I closed my own one, it's duplicate now. And uh, poof, uh, don't even have to write myself an explanation. Just as that. designed, go away. Right. <laughs> Stop bothering yeah, yeah. me. Okay. So I yeah. got a question that I think is probably on a lot of people's minds, right? How do you distinguish between what should be in the library versus what should be part of the language? Uh, see, ideally, uh, the, uh, first of all, ideal, of course, we just freeze the language. Don't expect, I mean, anything can be in the library. You don't actually need, there's no like intrinsic need to have a really complex language with lots of features. Uh, so, uh, like, default decision is always uh, just implemented in libraries. But uh, there are all the but. There are different things. Uh, on one side, there are lots of design issues that are simple inconsistencies in some language. Not that we're adding new features. We're just cleaning existing stuff. We're um, interactions that uh, didn't work before now start working. Like, support for, like, we still have a number of issues where suspend modifier doesn't work in all cases where you'd expect it to work. Uh, some construct in the language are not composable together, like you can break out of the inline function and stuff like this. And it's like not per se a new feature in the language, it's just fixing, there's lots of features like that, just fixing or cleaning or orthogonalizing, uh, you know, all things. So the same you can say for statics, you know, in the sense we have statics in the language, they've always been there because of Java interrupt, they've just never been exposed clearly. And it's not like we will be uh, solving that will be adding like uh, interesting new feature to the language. Will be basically uh, cleaning up and finding you know clean way of uh, making these features interact. And so this kind of no brainer when you just clean old stuff uh, or find uh, new ways to uh, to combine old features that weren't allowed before. It's just easy decision. Let's do it. Uh, of course, bringing completely new concept of things is always hard. And uh, it has to appreciate like really strong use cases or like directions where uh, things are evolving. Uh, so people writing more and more asynchronous systems, uh, that's why we're looking and using lots of immutable data. 
And of course, you can do it in libraries. But I mean, that's so pervasive problem that it might need better support in the language. Or people doing lots of data science. They're working with uh, various uh, just data structures ad hoc, creating, you know, arrays, uh, lots of structure analyzing them. Again, it might, because this became more and more popular, it might need first-class support in the language, like this new um, avenues that were not as relevant before. That's where, like, you start looking really, let's do, like, really new things. Yeah, makes sense. I, I look forward to when I, I think I can combine tail rack and inline. I think that's a combination that currently still doesn't work. Um, so yeah, looking looking forward to that. Uh, in case anyone's listening, tail wrecking my inlines. Yeah, the, yeah. and uh, that, 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 that's where the all the work that's infrastructure work that the, the team is actually doing. I mean, uh, like the team is actually busy with uh, making the infrastructure uh, that we can't will be able. Uh, to do more features and uh, and performance in the future, uh, the team is busy working on new compilers, you know, and and that's the key enabler for new language feature. It will even uh, small things like a release and a new GMR backend in in upcoming Kotlin one point five fixes lots of old bugs, things that didn't work or crash the compiler before. Now start working as designed. They were designed but never implemented in the compiler because of its old ad hoc uh, architecture. So is a lot of the energy now really focused on on bringing that new compiler to um, kind of, yeah, to, to, a, to a perfectly workable state? Or like, how, how would you say you split your efforts between supporting the current stuff and making sure the, the future arrives as soon as possible? I think right now, most of the force on uh, making the future possible. Um, most of the team is busy uh, with new infrastructure, new backends, new frontend, and it will enable both quality features and uh, will make things faster at the end. So, and that that's our primary focus. Like all stuff works, like we still support and fix all bugs, but I mean, Kotlin itself as compiler is relatively stable. Uh, there are still uh, some stability issues with uh, Kotlin IDE, and that's what, like Kotlin IDE team is focused on quality. They, they fix bugs, like everybody's comes to improvement, performance bugs, that's their main focus. They're just, as more people use, they find more corner cases, and this creates lots. Like if you look at there, you should check it's all uh, filled with, you know, in this combination, something crashes and et cetera. And th that's their primary uh, uh, worry. And compiler people, they're busy just, uh, I mean, compiler itself stable there, but they're building foundation uh, for the new breakthroughs. So what is the distribution here? I mean, are you equally distributing efforts for all backends? No, it's it's not not that not equal right now. Just if you look at team sizes, uh, oh, uh, I mean the JVM backend is uh, historically and unquestionably the the, the 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 big team. Uh, even though it's not the largest team in Kotlin, because uh, uh, JVM backend team has to create only backend. They, they don't build their own runtime, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. They only build backend and translates Kotlin into Java bytecode. Uh, if you look at, for example, Kotlin native team, it is larger because uh, they don't just build backend, uh, but they also build the whole runtime uh, infrastructure. And they're right now busy uh, writing new uh, memory management algorithms so that we can remove the limitations of sharing data. And that's also, again, that's not compiler per se, that's part of the runtime that they also have to maintain. Uh, and uh, now we have JavaScript uh, team that's also busy with uh, new uh, J JavaScript IR backend, 
uh, and it's coming really good. Unfortunately, they weren't able to to, to finish incremental compilation in time for Kotlin 1.5, so it will still be uh, experimental there, uh, and we'll hopefully be able to finish it by uh, 1.6. Uh, but it's also very promising. It's you know again all the new things you'd expect. I mean, usually it's funny how how people on the post these blogs when they say. Oh, you know, we rewrote uh, our project for language A to language B, and it became 10 times smaller, 10 times faster, etc. It's yeah. all funny because, as your experienced software developer knows, just rewriting from anything to anything yeah. will make it 10 it's times smaller. Like, it doesn't matter which language to which you rewrote it. Yeah. So the yeah. same now happens with Kotlin, just because they're writing this new backend with all the experience they have, working with oh. all they know, all the... It's becoming better producing smaller code. It's worked faster. It's it's like better in all respects. So this is how we're gonna get on on top of like Hacker News and Reddit and stuff. Is we're gonna say we rewrote Kotlin in Kotlin and now yes, it's ten wrote, times faster. Yeah, we wrote Kotlin compiler in Kotlin now. It's it's faster. Yeah. And then when and that produce. fails, we'll just go to the next versions. <laughs> we wrote Kotlin one point five in one point six, and it's smaller and faster even more. Yeah, infinite Sounds versions like to play with, huh? What is the team size though? Like we, we, I mean, we're talking about the team size. Like, how many people are on the Kotlin team as a whole, including it, the IDE tooling team? It's hundred something, uh, like hundred ten or uh, I don't remember the exact number. So it's a lot of people. It's really it's one of the largest teams in JetBrains. But again, given that we do lots of different things, we do tooling, we do. I mean, if you look at what sub-teams we have. It's all the backends, it's people who work on front-end, it's uh, ID, it's all the build tools we have to do, uh, support all the plugins, uh, Gradle, Maven plugins to build systems, that, that's that, that's all in us. It's uh, marketing, it's tech writers, uh, it's advocacy product managers. I mean, there are lots of people uh, together working uh, to make Kotlin. I mean, how it's do a big, you do uh, that? Like, how do you coordinate that all of these different teams are in sync for a specific release. Now that's your job, right? That that's yeah. that's that's part of your job, right? It, it, the the way we figure out, the, I mean, the amazing thing about the Kotlin teams, it's really a team of professionals, like uh, all the people uh, in all the teams, and especially leads of the Kotlin. They're really other professional people. They they know their stuff. You know, they they have their own vision, understanding what to do. So in order to, you can't coordinate them by, by giving the marching orders, like they know better what to do. So we coordinate them by giving uh, focuses. We choose, we look at the markets, which is what we focus uh, for this and this route, what will be our focus areas, what things we should be looking at, and then let the teams themselves figure out how to can, can best contribute uh, to make it happen, What's, what they in their area can improve uh, to, in order to, uh, to make it happen. And right now, our focus areas, we actually talked about this in uh, uh, the uh, last online event. Uh, we focus on uh, st stability and performance. We, we make sure that it's, uh, it all works great for uh, both our internal users from JetBrains and external users. We focus on GVM service side. Uh, we, we want to make sure we, uh, we cover uh, the needs of all the uh, uh, GVM users and support all the latest GVM features and stuff like that. And uh, we focus on uh, making uh, Kotlin multi-platform mobile a product, a release product. So of all the 
like multi-platform things. I mean, we could do lots of things. Like multi-platform is like this big area. And without focus, like every every person has its own, has their own opinion of what to do. Like let's do command line apps, let's do web apps, let's do these apps. I mean, there's lots of things you could do multi-platform area. Uh, and in order to like have some directed effort in general direction, we chose to go uh, and make uh, multi-platform mobile. So that's sharing uh, mobile code between. I, I think this is I think this is actually an, an interesting point that maybe we could drill a bit deeper into. Uh, it's you, You've said a couple of times that Kotlin multi-platform mobile is becoming a product, um, which I guess is different from some of the rest. Who knows? Do you want to expand a little bit on that? Uh, yeah, let me expand. In my mind, the difference between... Um, the First of all, for us in the team... Uh, the whole, uh, and if you look on the side, we're open about that. The whole multi-platform, uh, Kotlin Multiple is still experimental technology. Mm-hmm. It's not a stably released technology. It's still experiment. It's research. We're doing it. We're trying where it works, where it doesn't, how to improve it, how to improve the design. So we're still experimenting. We have lots of adoption, but it's still an experiment going on, uh, on, on how best to do it. But like, I mean, you can experiment as long as you want, but at some point, uh, like here, We've stumbled on a very good use case for Kotlin. Like people want to uh, take their Android code, extract business logic, and reuse it on iOS. And now that's where you know experiment that's enabled this uh, turns into a product that we can actually bring people. It means it means quality, it means stability, it means support. By making it a product, I mean making something stable that's not only experiment, but a stable thing you can absolutely rely on uh, to, to build your apps. Just like Kotlin JVM currently is. So where does that leave us with people like, for example, Seb? You know, Seb loves his JavaScript. Well, he loves his job. He loves his Kotlin script. Not Kotlin script. <laughs> Kotlin try to again, JavaScript try again. for client-side development with Kotlin React and Kotlin server-side. First of all, is there going to be a product that is Kotlin multi-platform something? Web. And, well, web. Sure, but then <laughs> that that would lead to like an explosion of you know potential web with mobile, mobile with backend. It's <laughs> like, is there another product in the works in this area? And, and secondly, what does what message is that sending to people that may want to adopt server side and front end with Kotlin? The reality of the thing is that server side front is, is still experimental. That's reality, and we we can't work around it right now. And the fact that we focus on Kotlin multi-platform mobile right now doesn't mean we're abandoning like Kotlin JavaScript team is still staffed and works to make it happen. It just, uh, you know, there's a lot of things. So if you look at mobile multi-platform as a whole, there's a lot of things, lots of very many people, we can't make it stable all at once. We'll have to uh, pick and make it stable piece by piece. So we have stable Kotlin JVM. We want to make this multi-platform mobile stable next. And then we'll see what to focus next on. And maybe CottonJS will be next. Uh, things will productize, you know, make it stable and uh, uh, turn into a stable supported product. But I mean, we have to pick our priorities somehow. And I mean, I also love CottonJS. My, my latest pet project is, is that I'm writing uh, on Kotlin, Kotlin uh, WebGL 3D uh, visualization application for, for Polyhedra. And uh, so far, it looks great. 
Well, that sounds very exciting. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I've got white uh, rectangle shown on my canvas, and it was very exciting. After you know, uh, we need to figure out all the WebGL calls when white re- white rectangle finally appeared. Like was was an exciting. I, I think this is this is kind of the the holy grail of everyone doing anything with like OpenGL WebGL is, is seeing that first triangle and no, knowing knowing that it works. So what's yeah. next? The rainbow triangle? No, next I actually no I actually want to do to do a uh, visualization for. So I've, I've been uh, in my free time uh, kind of realizing my child child dream of uh, uh, 3D geometry of various you know uh, regular polyhedra. Uh, platonic and Archimedean bodies and stuff around them. And just even though there are lots of software uh, around there that shows it, it's nothing compares to actually doing it yourself <laughs> as usual. I feel so left out. I mean, I never was <laughs> focusing on right making triangles appear. I was more like, oh, can I make a customer database? <laughs> Well, you know when when that when that first entry, when the first order entry in the table appears, I, oh, I think that's, that's the that's like, the same feeling. Right? Oh, okay. Yeah, it's it's the same same feeling of success and knowing that you know that business is gonna take. I, I don't know. <laughs> sure. No, just stop. Just stop. It doesn't matter. <laughs> so what's next for you, Roman? Oh, Besides the- polyhedrons. I mean, Polyhedrons are great. I mean, uh, <laughs> why? What, what more do I need? <laughs> you know, I, I. I mean, I'm. I'm for myself. I my plate is full for uh, many years ahead. Even uh, looking at the top voted issues and the, like the the major problem that Kotlin uh, has or that needs to be solved or or the Kotlin should be taken. There's a lot of work, just design work, thinking work, you know, stuff like that. So how do you actually anticipate trends? Because I mean, it's it's one thing kind of reacting to 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 needs, but I, I assume you have so, like, or or the team in general has some kind of vision where they want to take Kotlin so that I don't know in in, in five years, not the next big language comes along and just Kotlin lands by the wayside. See, the vision for Kotlin itself. Uh, was uh, simple from the start and is simple. Kotlin is a programmatic language for industry, a language where in which people write more than application. The only problem with this vision is great vision that motivates us, but the problem with this vision is that what is modern changes, right? And Kotlin needs to stay relevant, so it needs to uh, be aware of trends that what defines modern nowadays. And that means just looking around, see, looking what kind of apps people write, writing them yourself, see. What kind of frameworks becoming popular? Like 20 years ago, immutability, nobody cared about it really in production. You know, you have all these mutable frameworks and stuff. Now, with all the reactive UIs, uh, all the reactive uh, data flow frameworks, uh, suddenly immutability becomes a topic just because of the way people write their apps nowadays. It's not something, it's always been there, but it's now becoming important for people. That's what we're looking at. Immutability is one of the things to improve in content. Uh, and the same about everything else. It just just looking around what what people do, what kind of apps are right. But with okay. all of the things that is, you know, I mean, if you take a look at your issue tracker, if you take a look at the Slack channel, which I think we got like twenty eight thousand people already. If you look at all of the input that's coming from all sides, I know that you say that you've got this focus areas where you're going to focus. So I guess in a way, it's easy. In the, well, easier. In a way, it's 
simpler in that you say, okay, well, does it fall into the focus buckets? If it does for the next year or whatever, I will consider it. But even then, you end up with, I'm assuming, quite large buckets, right? How do you try and prioritize that and, and figure out what to do next? The process will will, will try for, for, first of all, I mean, it, it's all we're kind of folks now. Not only we have with Joshua Shem, with Andrew Bessathlock, we're also, even before Hello, we, we started with him working on a new cadence for cotton release. And so instead of releasing feature-based releases, we're moving out to model where we'll be releasing twice a year uh, based on uh, just time schedule, like uh, let's release whatever we've managed to feel. So, and this, and now we learn how to plan things in this new process. It's again, new process for us. Uh, so, so the way we're trying to do it now is uh, that uh, we will be looking at different uh, shortlists of priorities from different groups of people, like shortlist from community, what community wants, shortlist from uh, big companies uh, that use cotton, what they want, shortlist from chainbrains, what people in chainbrains want, shortlist from team, et cetera, et cetera. Combine them, uh, estimate them, see uh, what really feasible at what time, and then pick uh, what we can do for the next release out of that. But that's kind of tactical planning for the next release. There are also uh, the question of long-term research. There are lots of big things that you can just plan to make for the next release. They're simply to be. That's where we plan like long-term research projects where we'll work on prototypes, maybe for multiple years, that will to learn what's going on there and ultimately maybe someday come up with a future release. And and talking about what people want, I think you've emphasized this point before that it's really valuable for you when people explain, well, for you and the team, when people explain what is it they're trying to accomplish as opposed to saying, I want X and Y feature, right? Oh, yeah. That's been, that's been my, my biggest gripe with uh, community, like all the time. I mean, it, it, it's like everywhere. It's not just the languages and specific problem. Like people, um, of course, people always want faster horses. That, 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 that's, that's one problem. And uh, the other problem uh, that people... You know, come and and see. I need this. They they don't explain why, and that's that's typical for people. But uh, we're trying to. We're always asking why. Why we're trying to accomplish. And by so you ask how we come up with this is by observing those needs uh, constantly. Like when you read like those things day and day, you start to see partners like this and this problems. They somehow related and might a single feature might solve not a single but a few of them at the same time. Uh, I think uh, I think a great thing to to shout out here, by the way, as well, is your talk from the Kotlin 1.4 online event where we were talking about the the whole concept of multiple receivers um, and kind of the different approaches. Kind of, it's it's really nice. You can you can find that one on YouTube as well, um, where where Roman kind of walks through uh, kind of what people think they want versus the the kind of different ways of how it can be implemented. And it's it's quite it's quite interesting seeing how how specific problems which feel kind of unrelated actually can be generalized quite quite nicely and yeah. yeah yeah so check that one out yeah and i just had a brilliant idea we should patent right so <laughs> we put this automated workflow into utrack every time someone files a ticket we're like why and when they respond <laughs> with a comment you're like yes but why and we'll do that five <laughs> times and if they if they persist then we'll we'll open the ticket great a rubber duck bot <laughs> that sounds great cool. Well, what you're trying to accomplish, that might now go to phrase I always ask. What you are trying to accomplish with this. Exactly. 
I mean, but that, as you said, applies to everything, right? I mean, even when you were like, I, I want a button that click when you click it, it edits the record. Yeah, but what are you trying to accomplish? Well, I need a button, but why? Well, I don't know. <laughs> Put a button there because everyone else has a button. But when Scrum people yeah, this... in invented user stories, right? Yeah. <laughs> everyone else is also a big problem. You know, people come with different backgrounds and it's like constant stream of, oh, well, let's like, do like this other language does. Let's have this uh, Swift feature here, or let's have uh, this feature from C Sharp, or let's do it like Java. And reality is, uh, Kotlin is a major separate language. It has its own style, it's its, it's its own uh, conventions, and uh, you rarely find a match, uh, direct match from the other. You can use it as inspiration to think something that solves a similar problem, probably maybe in a similar way, but it's really like a direct one-to-one -one just because the cotton is a different language. Yeah. Well, and I think that we're all excited to see what's coming, and I think we're all excited to have you at the helm of it. And uh, one of the things that I'm really looking forward to is the memory model for Kotlin Native. And oh. see how that... Yeah, oh... Yeah. Oh, that oh, will, that will, yeah. Not everybody wants it. Even Nikolai now wants it. You know, everybody is eager to to see that. But that's also finishing your work. It's not rocket science in sense. You don't have to invent anything really there, but it's very challenging. Yeah. As as, as recently, I, I I interviewed Nikolai on Compose. He said, "Well, yeah, that's someone else's problem now." <laughs> 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 Thanks for that. Okay. So, but uh, it's been great having you, uh, Roman, again. And um, thank you Yo. for taking the time to come on our new amazing show with myself and Sebastian. And uh, yeah, we'll, we look forward to welcoming you back soon. Thank you. I'm, sh I'm sure there'll be more to talk about. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> oh, definitely. Take care. Cool. Take care. See you. Bye. Bye. <laughs> and for everyone else, this is the moment, Seb. We've got to do it. If you like this show, hit the like button Subs and make sure you subscribe button? to the which way is it oh i don't the know I, I, that I, way. I don't know yeah but also hit the also hit the yeah hit the bell hit the you bell almost forgot. hit the bell I almost forgot and we'll see you on the next show bye bye bye, bye.